In today's show, I start off with a quote by Sherry Dew. Following some very important announcements, I jump straight into the interview with Dr. Lauren Kuhn. Dr. Kuhn is an endodontist in Twin Cities, Minnesota. Furthermore, she started advising pre-dental students in 2015, and she's here to talk to us today about how you can show leadership and stand out while doing it. Dr. Kuhn is also a contributing author in the book, Your Essential Guide to Dental School Admissions. I start the interview off by giving Dr. Kuhn the opportunity to introduce herself and inform us on what she does both as an endodontist and pre-dental advisor. After that, we begin an amazing conversation centered around leadership and how you as a pre-dental student can use these insights to stand out on your dental school application. During this discussion, Dr. Kuhn answers five key questions that will help you out tremendously in being more prepared as a candidate for dental school. She answers why leadership is so important when considering a career in dentistry. Furthermore, she provides so many wonderful examples on how to engage in leadership displaying activities. For the members of our pre-dental community who might be a few years or so away from applying, she offers incredible advice on how these younger students can still exhibit leadership despite potential restrictions on the availability of roles in clubs such as pre-dental societies. Dr. Kuhn goes on to provide key insight, which would be extremely hard to receive elsewhere in explaining the types of leadership that stands out most to admission committees. We end our conversation on leadership when Dr. Kuhn answers the question about how students can list their leadership activities without coming across as arrogant or boastful. To wrap up today's interview, Dr. Kuhn enlightens us on some key principles that helped her not only gain admission into Harvard Dental, but also successfully make it all the way through her residency at the Medical University of South Carolina. As former Miss Massachusetts and a fourth runner-up in the 2015 Miss America pageant, Dr. Kuhn emphasizes the importance of standing out through experience. Finally, Dr. Kuhn very willingly lists all the ways that you may contact her if you are interested in learning more about how she has been helping many students gain admission into dental school through the building up of compelling resumes. Welcome back to the Reed Dodd Dentistry Pre-Dental Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Lundquist, and I am laying my journey of getting accepted into dental school all out on the table so you can get in as well. Please make sure to follow this podcast for updates on Instagram at read.dentistry underscore podcast or send me a friend request on Facebook and I'll add you to this podcast group page. Now stay tuned for episode 31 where I interview Dr. Lauren Kuhn about how pre-dental students can stand out through displaying leadership. President and CEO of Deseret Book Company, Sherry L. Du, once said, True leaders understand that leadership is not about them, but about those they serve. It is not about exalting themselves, but about lifting others up. Thank you so much for joining me again today. You are all truly the greatest, and I felt so blessed in having the opportunity to interact with more and more of you each day. 
All of you will never know how much something so simple as reaching out to me means. I'm especially thankful for the kindness some of you have displayed in taking just a minute of your time to leave this podcast to review and share it with someone else. You guys motivate me every day, and for that, I'm dedicated to giving all of you my 100% best efforts. I'm constantly thinking of ways to improve the quality of our podcast and social media pages. And to prove that, not only have I started a new YouTube channel centered around this podcast, but today I'm going to provide you with what I think will be the best episode yet in delivering an amazing interview I had with Dr. Kuhn. I promised you all a few weeks ago that I would start bringing in outside perspectives so you wouldn't always be stuck with hearing my voice all the time. And today I'm going to deliver on that promise in a big way. All thanks to Dr. Kuhn and each and every one of you who inspire me to do better. And there's going to continue to be many more interviews and content available so that you guys can be equipped with all the necessary resources and connections to make it extremely possible for you to make it into dental school. So thank you, thank you once again. And now just to touch a little bit more on that YouTube channel. So yesterday, or actually maybe like two days ago, I started the Re.Dentistry Pre-Dental Podcast YouTube channel. So I made it super simple for all of you. If you want to go view some of the content on YouTube, all you have to do is type in the title of this podcast on YouTube and it should come up. And it is a little bit weak right now, like I'll be honest, because I just started. I'm in the process of just transitioning everything over so that you guys will have, you know, just another um, source. And, you know, if you would rather have an abbreviated video, that's your opportunity. And then those who are on the YouTube channel, if they want more in depth, then they can come here to the podcast and listen to something that's a little bit more substantial. But yeah, the goal is to just abbreviate all current and future podcast episodes for video format on the Re.Dentistry Pre-Dental Podcast YouTube channel. So yeah, I'm definitely not taking anything away. I'm only adding like these podcasts. If you're enjoying them, they're going to continue for a long time. And then you can also look forward to the content that will be on YouTube. I'm also starting a new segment that I think you all are going to really enjoy. Starting today, I will be participating in one-on-one Zoom sessions with pre-dental students. The meetings will last 30 minutes and serve as a Q&A session in which the selected student will be able to ask whatever questions they please. And it's completely free of charge. It's all for your benefit. I will do my best to answer and, you know, also the benefit of, um, the pre-dental community and for my benefit because I really enjoy doing it. So um, anyways, I will do my best to answer any of these questions. I will make this video slash audio available on both the podcast and YouTube channel. I already have the first of these sessions planned out with Brock Russell, who is from Rigby, Idaho. So huge shout out to Brock. Please contact me for your chance, not Brock, but anybody else who's interested, please contact me for your chance to be featured in these Q&A sessions and I will make sure we get you on. Okay, I don't want to go too much further into announcements because I'm extremely excited to get going on this interview with Dr. Kuhn. Any other announcements, I'll make sure to post on Instagram or Facebook, but also just make sure to send me a request to join the Dentistry future dentist group page on Facebook so you can connect with more members from the pre-dental community and be up to date with all the future announcements uh, so you can view all the new content I'm I'm constantly releasing. And this last announcement I actually want to make on behalf of Dr. Kuhn. In this episode, 
In the episode overview, I mentioned Dr. Kuhn is a contributing author to the book, Your Essential Guide to Dental School Admissions. This is a very affordable and extremely valuable resource that is even available on Kindle. This guide includes 30 successful application essays plus collective wisdom from young dentists. I highly recommend it. And fortunately, Dr. Kuhn is going to talk more about this resource, as well as many other very helpful services. Uh, she and her colleague, Dr. Helen Yang Meyer, offer um, all to help pre-dental students gain admission. After talking to Dr. Kuhn for quite a while and getting to know more about herself, as well as Dr. Helen, I can say these are two incredible assets to the pre-dental community, and they are truly passionate and dedicated towards helping aspiring dental students make it into school. Better yet, they're completely devoted and willing to help any one of you individually. And finally, please make sure you listen to today's podcast in its entirety, because at the end, Dr. Kuhn will reveal all the ways you may reach out and contact her if you're interested, sorry, <clears throat> if you're interested in any one of these amazing services. Dr. Kuhn was extremely kind in her willingness to provide us with so much insight as to how you can boost your personal resume through leadership. So I would ask a favor from all of you to please follow her on Instagram at destination dental school and it's destination underscore dental underscore school so it's spelled destination you know one more time just to reiterate it's spelled destination just like the word underscore dental just like the word underscore school um, i know you will find this page very valuable okay then and just before we get started please allow me to take just uh, another minute and thanking the sponsor of this episode which is anchor because without anchor this opportunity to hear such this opportunity to hear such an amazing interview wouldn't be possible so i think it's definitely appropriate to give them a shout out usually i do this more towards the middle of each episode but today just so we don't disrupt the rhythm of the interview i'm going to thank anchor here in the beginning and after that i will jump right into the interview Today, I'm very thrilled to be joined on the phone here by Dr. Lauren Kuhn. Dr. Kuhn is an endodontist in the Twin Cities in Minnesota and is a very special guest, not only because she's officially the first person who this podcast has interviewed, but because she has accomplished so much, accomplished so much in her life personally, as well as collectively and consistently serving the pre-dental community. I don't want to give away too much information about Dr. Kuhn before I allow her the opportunity to talk more about who she is and what she's accomplished in her career, but I must say something that impresses me so much about Dr. Kuhn, and it's that in reading her bio from her advising website, it says Dr. Kuhn believes in helping applicants build skills rather than simply editing an applicant's paperwork to look impressive temporarily. She believes that applicants should build a resume along with strong leadership and interview skills long before they plan to apply. And it's so perfect that it says this in her bio, since today she will be talking to us about leadership and using that leadership to build your personal resume. So thank you very much for your time and willingness to come onto this podcast today. I'm very excited and know that many listeners will gain so much value from you being here. Now, let's get this started. And first, to begin, could you please do us all the favor of introducing yourself? Um, please tell us a little bit about who you are where you completed your education and more about your work as an endodontist and pre-dental advisor. Well, thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. I'm really excited to be here. Um, so for everyone listening, I'm Dr. Lauren Kuhn, and I am an endodontist in Minnesota. I'm originally from the state of Washington, actually. I'm from a small town 
Um, it's a, originally a logging community, and I grew up there and went to college at Gonzaga University, which was across the state, about a seven-hour drive away. And I did my bachelor's degree there in biology. And then for dental school, I went to the Harvard School of Dental Medicine in Boston, spent four years there and did my DMD. And then I did my two-year residency in endodontics at the Medical University of South Carolina, which was a really great experience. Um, and it's just such a beautiful location and really nice new clinics. So I was very happy about that. Um, and then I began my work as an endodontist. So I've really enjoyed that. And while I was at Harvard, I became the pre-dental rep during my first year of dental school. So that was back in 2013. I became the pre-dental rep and I helped organize a pre-dental day back in November 2013. And that's really my first time where I was beyond the application process. I'd already been through it, already finished that and was able to pass on some of what I learned to pre-dental students. And that's kind of what got me excited. So ever since then, I've been working to help with uh, pre-dental students, their resumes, personal statements, interview skills, and then I started doing consulting as well part-time. So it's been a fun journey for me, um, and I'm excited to get to share with you today. Yeah, awesome. And I'm really excited to, you know, get into more of our discussion on leadership. I think it's so cool that, um, you know, that you were always taking a step further. It was more for you than just simply becoming you know, you're getting into dental school and then becoming an endodontist, but it's the things that you did along the way that are so admirable with trying to help others in their journey as well. And I'm pretty sure there are a million different questions that myself and the listeners of this podcast could ask you. But for the sake of staying on topic regarding what you're here to talk about today, please allow me to move on to some questions pertaining to your role as a mentor mentor in helping uh, students develop leadership skills necessary to stand out as a strong dental school applicant. So first, could you please explain why you think leadership is so important when it comes to making it into dental school? Well, I think we all know that there are certain things that people need to get into dental school, right? Like you need a good GPA, you need good DAT scores, good letters of recommendation, but those things are pretty clear to everyone that they need them. With leadership, you can actually be creative and do something that's really interesting to you and you can feel accomplished and stand out with it. Um, so I think leadership can show you can identify problems. Maybe it's a problem in your community or a problem in your school and then work toward a solution to fix the problem um, and benefit other people. So it shows you can think beyond yourself and you can pose solutions and motivate others to make an impact. It also shows that you might be one of these people who's going to leave a legacy that makes the school proud to call you an alum. So when schools are looking for people to accept, they want to think about people that will make them look good also. So it's not just about you looking good that you went to their school, but they want to feel and look good that you are an alum of theirs. So if you're the type of person who's very entrepreneurial or you're a doer, you're someone who really makes an impact, then schools will think, okay, if this person comes to our school, they're going to continue to make an impact and it's also going to make us look good. So those are some of the benefits of that. Um, it's also nice too, because if you're conducting leadership work, 
there's no more of this excuse of, um, oh, there's nothing interesting for me to do, or there's no interesting volunteer projects for me to do, and you know, everything is boring. It allows you to create something yourself. So you identify a problem, you create a solution, you feel engaged, and it also boosts your resume. Oh, I really love everything that you said there. And something that really stood out to me based on, uh, you know, your response was how, you know, making, um, you know, being proud of the fact that you represent a certain school and that the school, you know, they're looking for you to contribute in a positive way, because I felt that so much when I was accepted into Pitt. And for me, like I got accepted into Lee Com in Midwestern Illinois, and I was very excited just for being accepted to dental school. But Pitt, like, that was my number one top choice. I'm from the area. And I really felt like, especially because I felt like Pitt was the school that was, um, <laughs> it was kind of like a higher reach for me. And I knew that they were, you know, very, very highly regarded, like not only nationally, but in the world. And so I didn't know much about my chances of getting in. But when I got in, like, I just felt something different. Like, okay, I'm going to make it so they're not going to regret you know, allowing me in to their school, even though like I had a slightly lower GPA, like I really wanted to, you know, like, I, and I'm still motivated, like I haven't even started dental school yet. But like, it's my vision that like, I just want to do so much for them. And so I, I think that that is, you know, definitely how we need to approach it a little bit more. Like I always tell, you know, I always say in, in this podcast that, um, especially like when you start getting interviews, like, it's not only that they're interviewing you, but you are interviewing them. Like, you know, you want to do really good work for them and see that that's a good opportunity for you. Absolutely. I think the general vibe so far in the short two months uh, this podcast has existed has naturally been more geared towards uh, students who are about ready to begin filling out their applications since the application cycle is opening soon. Uh, however, it should be noted that the vision of this podcast is to make it as beneficial as possible to anyone who is pursuing dental school, independent of where they currently are in the process. So that being said, how can younger pretense, such as students in the freshman or sophomore years of college, and I know like you've even mentioned uh, as early as high school, which I think is awesome. So how can those students in that category engage in activities that show leadership? I think it's an amazing, amazing opportunity. If you are a younger student listening right now, like if you are in high school, like Jordan said, or freshman or sophomore year of college, you have a huge opportunity with leadership to show a committee that you are someone who's dedicated to causes. Like you really embody dedication. Um, and the way that you could do that is if you started something like, just as an example, maybe you hosted a toothbrush drive, like a fundraiser for toothbrushes for a local homeless shelter. If you did that, it could be a one day event. It could be a one week event. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to consume your life, but it could make a huge impact. You could do that when you are 16 years old, 17 years old, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. You could do that for many years and make a legacy. So that's something that's building up your resume way in advance of when you need it. And I hear a lot of students saying to me, you know, hey, I'm not applying for a few years. It's no big deal. Like, I'll find things to build my resume and make an impact and be a leader later. But really, the best time you can build your resume is when you think you don't need it. So as an example, let's say, let's say you are a freshman or sophomore in college, and maybe at some point during this process of college, you notice there's a competitive leadership position that's available, or maybe there's an internship available or even a scholarship, and you need to apply in the middle of college. If that's the case, 
that opportunity would also help build your resume, but you're not going to get that opportunity unless you've been building your resume from the beginning, right? You can't apply for something in the middle of college if you don't have anything to put down. So I want you to start thinking about how you can start leadership programs and do creative and innovative volunteering early and really take ownership of that. I mean, pretend that you're applying soon. Um, build that resume when you don't need it. Um, so it's a great idea to start early and not everything you have to do has to be dental related, right? When we're, when we're thinking about becoming dentists and I knew I wanted to be a dentist when I was like 14 years old, I thought that everything had to be dental related, but that's not really true. You can be passionate about something else. Like let's say you love music and you're part of a music club in school. You could host a charity benefit concert where people give a donation um, when they come in to watch the concert. And maybe you could choose to give those donations to a dental related charity, like a dental nonprofit clinic or something like Smile Train or some kind of dental related cause. But the whole event doesn't necessarily have to be related to dentistry. So think about ways that you can channel your other passions, um, starting from a young age, and then build that. And maybe you can have annual events that go on for multiple years, and that'll really make an impact on your community, but also on your resume. Wow, yeah, thank you so much. And I, and I think that's so cool that, you know, a lot of what you're saying is it's never really too early to start building your resume. And I really appreciate how you listed specific examples about how you can do that. I think that that's so valuable because, you know, so many times I know for me, it's like you, I, like I've gotten advice, but it's like, okay, but what are some examples <laughs> yeah. of that? So thank you. Like, yes, you know exactly. I mean? <laughs> You're like, okay, I should think creatively and I should channel my passions, but um, I don't really know what yep. that means. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, like, right. You know, go out and write a good personal statement, but you know, what's an example of a good personal <laughs> statement. And so I just love like as specific as possible because there's so many things like in this dental school process, like it truly is overwhelming. There's no other word for it. And so, you know, if somebody would have been there like along the way for me, just saying, this is exactly what you have to do. Like I would have really appreciated that, but I realize that's almost so impossible because there's so much. And, you know, there's a reason because these dental schools really want to make sure that you're somebody who wants it. And if you can go through all these things, then, you know, clearly, you know, I, it was a huge accomplishment for me just when I submitted my application. I was like, wow, I never thought I'd even get to that point. So everything after mm -hmm. that was bonus. Yeah. Anyways, um, I personally never experienced this, but it's my understanding that there can exist some possible restrictions regarding the accessibility for younger college students, such as freshmen to obtain leadership roles and pre-dental clubs. So uh, how can a student who might be subject to these conditions still exhibit? So leadership? I actually hear this all the time. So a lot of students will tell me like, I can't be an officer of the pre-dental club yet because I need to be at least a junior in order to be eligible to be elected into a leadership position. So I guess I'll just wait until I'm a junior. And then when I'm a junior, I'll run for maybe vice president of the club. And um, that, that's how I'll get leadership onto my application. So that's what a lot of students say, and they feel like they are being blocked from um, getting these positions. But I really think, again, there's creative ways to find solutions. And I've always been an advocate of the mentality that you don't need a leadership title in order to be a leader or conduct leadership activities. So I wanted to give, again, like kind of a tangible solution to this, um, like what Jordan was saying earlier. 
help you kind of envision what you could do. So if you were a freshman in college, for example, and you're not eligible to become a leader, at least an elected leader within your club, um, one thing you might be able to do is get to know some of the people on the executive board. So some of the leaders of the club, people who have been elected, you're going to notice that these people are pretty busy. They have a lot of things going on. They have social lives. They have exams to be taking. Maybe they even have a part-time job. They're working on their applications. They have a lot to juggle. So if you notice that they are busy, which they probably are, and you also notice there's something that needs to be done, like maybe the club needs a new logo, or maybe they don't have a good mailing list or an email list, or the website needs to be updated or something like that. There's some kind of an issue or they're having trouble organizing guest speakers to come in. You could approach one of the student leaders and tell them that you'd be happy to help out and say, you know, hey, uh, Susie, I saw that, you know, we're thinking about updating the website and I know it's a really busy time. I would be more than happy to help with that. If you need some help, I can help work on the website so that our pre-dental club can continue to grow would that be beneficial to you? And she would probably be so thankful that you approached her and offered to do that. And then if you do that, you can keep on offering to do other things. And at some point, you may even be appointed by them as a sort of technology officer, like an appointed cabinet position. They might offer to do that for you. Um, and either way, whether they do appoint you to a position like that or whether they don't, when you write on your application and say that you spearheaded an effort to update the website, you created a mailing list, you, you know, you did these very active things that no one forced you to do, they will be very impressed by that. So you don't need a leadership title per se or an elected position in order to do something. Um, and, and that's how I would approach that, especially if I were a younger student in college. Oh, I love that so much. Like pretty much what you're saying is, you know, a leader is somebody who takes the initiative. So you don't really need to wait for somebody to tell you that you're a leader to have that title. There's so many things you can do independent of where you are and in the application cycle. You know, if you're close to applying or if you're really far out, maybe a freshman that um, it's not really an excuse to like not display leadership because there's so many ways that you can do that. That's really cool. Now, I don't think it comes as any surprise that leadership is important and something that dental schools are looking for, but I don't think I'm alone in not really knowing what are the types of leadership roles that dental schools are specifically looking for. To simplify this question, what I want to ask you is the following. What kinds of leadership stands out to admissions committees? I think the type of leadership that stands out is when people have done multiple years of a certain effort, like I said, if you held a toothbrush drive for your local um, homeless shelter and you did it for five or six years, that would stand out because that's continued sustained effort and leadership. And or if you have founded or created, spearheaded something, you were the person who initiated, like what you said earlier. Um, so if you are doing something along those lines, I think it stands out also, if it's creative. Um, so for example, like if you sign up for a shift to hand out toothbrushes to kids in an after school program, that would be sort of like the lowest level of leadership because you're signing up for a shift, someone else organized it. Um, it's basically volunteering, which is a very good thing and you should still do it, of course. Um, but this is not going to be the pillar of your leadership on your application. It's a good thing to do, but again, it's not really groundbreaking. But if you organized an event and you gathered donations for toothbrushes to give to children, 
you were in charge of marketing the event, you recruited volunteers, you got sponsors, then that would be a pretty high level project. So that would stand out because it shows that you kind of went above and beyond. And if it wasn't for you, the event might not have even happened. Um, it's not an extremely unique event, right? Doing a toothbrush drive and um, fundraiser, that's not extremely unique, but it's still good because it shows that you went through all these steps and put in a lot of effort. Something that would be unique and in my opinion would be really high level would be, again, continuing on sort of the same theme of like the toothbrush drive, um, would be like organizing a one day workshop. Maybe you could invite children, uh, excuse me, children from at risk neighborhoods or at risk schools. You could call it a dental day or something kind of fun like that. Um, you could bring in supplies and also big representatives or representatives from big dental companies, something like Crest, Oral-B, Colgate, big companies like that. And you can have them bring supplies for children to design their own toothbrushes. You could teach them hands-on skills, principles of what allows teeth to become cleaner and how they become cleaner. Um, you could even have them create videos and speeches to teach their peers how to brush their teeth effectively. You could really empower and engage these students that you're helping, really get them involved. Um, you could even have the parents, if they're comfortable, sign a release, and then you could have the students work with you to create a big video um, to promote how to effectively brush your teeth. Um, so something like that would be really cool. And also if you have these sponsors on, um, on board from these big companies, like I mentioned earlier, maybe they would also donate. You could put their logos on this promotional video that the kids helped create themselves. Um, and then maybe the companies would donate to after school programs at these at-risk schools. Um, you could do something really innovative, something that empowers your community, something that could be a huge win-win. So think outside of the box, think about getting sponsors, think about empowering the people you're helping, not just giving them a toothbrush, but empowering them with knowledge and helping them spread the word to other people too and take ownership. Something like that would be absolutely huge. And I think that that would stand out. Yeah, and I think it's really important to acknowledge that from what you mentioned about leadership, it's so directly correlated to community to community service, sorry. I mean, you mentioned so many wonderful examples on how students can display leadership by serving in the community, and I know it would be so valuable for anyone listening to take to heart some of these ideas of service or leadership that Dr. Kuhn listed and apply them. I know from personal experience based off of an interview at the University of Buffalo that my interviewer, he really wanted to know if I was truly someone who was committed to community service and that it wasn't just something I was doing to cross off the list. And so he asked me how, if I were in his chair conducting the interview, how I would be able to determine if a student was just faking it. I told him, well, I'd look at the entire picture. Has this student been performing community service for an extended period of time? Or is it just something they did temporarily to cross off the hours? And the final discussion I want to get into in terms of leadership is actually a topic I think can be applied to many aspects of the application in general. And that topic is how to list accomplishments without coming off as boastful or someone who is just bragging about themselves. I think many times we can find it challenging to talk about ourselves when it comes to something like an application or interview. Because if you think about it in greater depth, aren't we all kind of there to prove that we belong over someone else? So I think there must be a fine line between arrogance and confidence. But for the sake of our conversation today about leadership, I would like to know 
How can a student describe their leadership activities without bragging in their essays, such as saying, I was the sole person responsible for X, Y, and Z activities, or I put in more hours than anyone in the club? How can they discuss their leadership in a well-rounded and humble way, but still get the point across to the admissions committee? So I think this is a really, really important question. So I've read probably hundreds of essays from people at this point. And it is interesting. Sometimes people don't realize that they're coming off a little bit arrogant and they they don't see it that way. They're trying to state what they did. And I think that that's great. But we always have to think about what the reader is thinking, like you said, Jordan. So if the admissions committee member is reading this and they think you sound arrogant, then it, in some ways, it almost doesn't matter whether you are or are not arrogant, they just think that you are. Um, so that's problematic. So you don't want to make your writing about you. Instead, you want to explain what you've identified. And I wouldn't be afraid to use quotes for what inspired you. So let's say you were at a school and you were volunteering at an after school program. And you were speaking with a student and he said, oh, you want to be a dentist? that's cool. My family doesn't, they don't go to the dentist. Um, we don't even have toothpaste most of the time, actually. Um, you could start your story and put that quote there and then tell the reader that you reflected on what the student told you. And then you could say something like, I considered that this problem was probably not unique to just his family. I contacted the after school program coordinator and asked her if we could discuss this topic and brainstorm some ideas to counteract the problem. And um, that's an objective and humble way to word that you are a listener. You are a thinker. You're someone who reflects on how you can help people and then you take action. But you never had to say like, I'm a good listener. I help people, I take action when no one else does, right? You didn't say those types of things. You sort of told a story and the reader inferred from it that that's the kind of person that you are. Um, so that's, that's how I would go about that. And another thing I would do is recommend that you read your essays aloud. So actually speak them and you can record yourself if you want to. I would also recommend actually video recording your mock interviews because the same type of thing will come up where you're trying to sort of brag, but you don't want to sound like you're bragging. Um, so really critically analyze the words you're using and how you're saying something um, because you don't want to say something like, you know, I'm the one who took action. Instead, you want to say, you know, I realized that this was a challenging problem. And so I contacted this person and I was hoping that together we could brainstorm some solutions. And that would be a more humble way to uh, a more humble way to put it. So it's not a perfect science. There's no perfect recipe to make yourself sound more humble or avoid sounding arrogant, I suppose. Um, but it can help to read aloud, have other people read it, um, ask your mentors what they think too. Wow, yeah, that's so great. I can't thank you enough for the time that you have dedicated to all of us today. It would have been amazing to have heard these things on leadership before I ever applied. But I think it goes without say that for those of you who are looking to apply to dental school, whether that be in the near future or maybe a little farther out, that what Dr. Kuhn has provided us with today will be extremely valuable in helping you become a stronger candidate for dental school. But before we wrap up this interview, could you please allow me to ask you just a couple more questions that I believe will help tremendously in providing further guidance to the pre-dental community on what it takes to get into dental school? 
Uh, not only is this podcast intended to be as informational as, po- as informational as possible in helping students navigate their way into dental school, but I also try to keep things inspirational because I think we all need that along the way. I think everyone can agree that the journey of building up a resume and applying to dental school is challenging, and it's very possible to become discouraged or frustrated. And it's no secret, Dr. Kuhn, that you have been so successful along that path that has been made clear by everything you have accomplished to this point in your life. So for everyone listening, could you please take us back in time before you even applied to dental school and tell us what was the number one thing that helped you gain admission into Harvard Dental? That's a tough question. Um, what? <laughs> yes, it really is. Um, so <laughs> it's a loaded one. <laughs> what, what got me in? I think, right, right. I think I was different. Um, and the way that I think I was different, I mean, everyone always wants to be different, right? And that's, um, that's one of those million dollar questions. How do I, how do I be different? Right. Um, but I, I actually believe, you know, in retrospect, I, I do think I was extremely different um, from most people who were applying. Um, of course, my grades and test scores were good and um, all of that, but i had been very involved in the Miss America program. So in 2011, I was Miss Seattle, and I think that they found that very interesting. Um, And actually, when I was in dental school, I'd already gotten in. Um, At Harvard, I became Miss Massachusetts and placed in the top five of Miss America, which was really exciting. Um, So that was sort of, you know, that was part of it, right? But when I was applying, it was sort of that I had been Miss Seattle, and they found that really interesting. Um, And I was able to show with that Um, I went to college across the state. So even though I was Miss Seattle, I I didn't live in the city. Um, So I was driving across um, these mountain passes. It was over a five hour drive each way. I would usually do that at least one round trip. So over 10 hours on most weekends in order to do community service projects, some of which I started that were on the other side of the state. Um, So I was able to share that story about dedication, and you know what I put in to be a leader, and not not just a leader, but kind of a, a leader in a unique way with the pageantry aspect to it. Um, so I thought that they found that interesting. Um, also, that the area where I grew up was a rural area, and I worked for my dad's machine and hydraulics company for a few years, and I think they thought that was interesting. Like, you know, how is there this? queen in a hard hat, (laughs) like this is really unusual, Um, you know, working part time to make a few dollars in a machine and hydraulics company, but also doing pageantry, I think they just thought that that was interesting. Um, And I remember specifically, I had this question at my Harvard interview with one of my uh, interviewers, he was an oral surgeon. And he said, you know, I just have a hard time imagining like what exactly got you to work for your dad's machine and hydraulics company. And I said, well, to be honest with you, I think he always wanted to have boys. <laughs> like, I think he wanted to have sons. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it didn't turn out that way. And he ended up with me. I'm the oldest and my sister and even the dog is a girl. And he really ended up being outnumbered. So, um, you know, before you knew it, I was sort of forced to work for his company when I like just turned 18. But then I actually started liking it. And I started, you know, doing this work uh, for multiple years during my school breaks. And, you know, that's kind of how it ended up. And I think he thought that was sort of funny. Um, So I think that these just interesting aspects from my past helped build kind of a picture of me being someone who could fit in in a lot of environments, um, and who could push through obstacles. So like, you know, a male dominated 
field like machine and hydraulics or logging, all those things, like to be able to fit in with that, but also fit in with like pageantry and, you know, driving across mountain passes every weekend, but still keeping my grades up. Like if I was able to do all these things and be versatile, I think that they had faith in me that I could uh, make it through dental school and be successful. Yeah, I I just agree with all those things so much. And I think that's so cool, you know, how you made mention that you were, I mean, you definitely were very unique and it was something that stood out. And I was actually having this um, thought the other day because like I've been trying to tell people, you know, like I gave, I made a video the other day, like 31, uh, this is actually a podcast. It was the 30th episode. So I thought it'd be cool to release um, 30 ways to make your personal statement stand out. And like, you know, you're trying to, um, help dental students with uh, their applications and helping them stand out by, you know, displaying that through leadership. And I was like thinking, okay, like, you know, there's thousands of personal statements that are going to get read. And like, just to be creative and different, I almost would argue that I, you know, you could just like purposely make like tons of like spelling errors. I don't advise this at all, but at least like if like in your personal statement, like if you just did something so bizarre, like you intentionally spelled every word wrong, like at least you'd be noticed, like whether for good or bad. Like I, I almost think that's better than just being like so boring and, you know, just getting completely lost in the flood of applicants. <laughs> I definitely don't advise that. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is that like they're going to remember who you are. But, you know, like try to be remembered for something positive, like obviously yourself being involved in, you know, something like the, you know, the Miss America. It, it's, uh, you know, the, the pageant like scholarship program. I think that that's so cool. And not everybody can, you know, obviously <laughs> I would have never been able to win uh, Miss Pennsylvania for obvious reasons. And so I, you know, you have to be, but that's the point of being creative. It's not like following what, you know, doctor, exactly everything Dr. Kuhn did or exactly everything I did to get into dental school, but it's thinking outside the box and finding your own creative way to get noticed. I think Thank that that's, you. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I, this last question, I don't, I honestly think, um, so I was going to ask you like, what was the number one thing that helped get you into your residency program? But I guess um, just to be a little bit more specific than that. And so your residency, if I'm correct, it was at the university of South um, Carolina, the medical, medical university Center. of South Carolina that along the way when you were in dental school. Um, what do you, was it like, being on top of your class like you know academically or or what was it that like helped you gain admission into a program like that and I know that you already kind of mentioned on some of those things obviously like you know many ways that you were being unique and building your resume but was there something like like do you think that they think that academics are more important or just the I think there are a lot of factors about? that are important it's hard to know exactly which one is the most important I will say for a lot of residencies they do want people with experience and that mm-hmm. was something that I did not have to offer because I wanted to go straight from dental school into residency so I knew mm-hmm. that if I didn't have that and that's a that's a big Um, preference of a lot of programs is I had to have something different. So what could I do? Um, So I thought about that and I went to the American Association of Endodontists annual meeting for a couple of years before I applied. So I started going pretty early in dental school and I also became a student member of the American Association of Endodontists to show them that I was serious about it applying for endo years before applying. So it wasn't just like a decision I made on a whim. Um, So that was something I did. I also went and visited schools. I think I visited like eight schools before I applied. So because I'd been to the annual meeting a couple of times and I went out of my way to meet a lot of people, 
um, and then also went to schools and I would sit in on literature reviews and I would try to review the literature before I got there and attempt to contribute the best I could to the discussions. Um, that By doing that, I think they saw that I was knowledgeable on certain topics. I mean, as knowledgeable as I could be as a third or fourth year dental student um, on a specialty. Um, but to try to contribute and show that I would fit in, I think that that made an impact. So that was something that I did. It was pretty time consuming and it was challenging, but I think that it helped me get into my top, excuse me, my top choice residency, which was um, in Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, that's so cool. And just because like, I know that, you know, going through this whole process, like it can be super competitive. And I think so many times people get so focused on like, you know, highest GPA and then, you know, for the sake of getting the dental school, not so much residency, highest DAT score that we forget so many of the other things that we should probably be more competitive in. Like, you know, like showing why we'd be a good dentist. It's not because you had a 4.0 GPA. It's not because you had high DAT score. It's because of, you know, the person who you became along the way. And anyways, uh, thank you once again for your time, Dr. Kuhn. I really believe that uh, so many of us are going to benefit greatly from everything you offered today. But before you go, could you please do us another favor by allowing our listeners to know um, how they may contact you? Because I know that, you know, you offer so many great services and helping students along the way build up their resume and make it into dental school. So if you could just talk a little bit about that and just tell students how they could get into contact. Yeah, absolutely. So one of my colleagues, Dr. Helen Yang Meyer, she actually was the year ahead of me in school at Harvard. And I always found her to be one of my um, one of my greatest mentors. So she was only one year ahead of me, but I found her to be someone who I really liked working with. And I also um, I, I liked her style of everything she did in terms of leadership, um, in terms of the way she treats people. And um, her and I have remained friends for years now. And actually, she decided to put together a book, um, which you mentioned earlier, Your Essential Guide to Dental School Admissions. And I was a contributing author to that book. And recently, we've decided her and I have both been doing consulting and trying to help pre-dental students get into dental school. We decided to start destination dental school advising or we're kind of shortening up the name to dds advising um, which you can find online at ddsadvising.com we decided to start a blog with that that has free support and guidance for people by the way if you review the blog and there's a question that you'd like us to address you have a burning question that you hope we will address on the blog um, you can send us an email at ddsadvising at gmail.com or you can also send us a message on Instagram. Um, that would be one way to get in contact with us. Um, and then we're also offering um, packages to help students individually. And I know if people want help with their personal statement, both Dr. Yang Meyer and myself will both review people's personal statements if they want to go that route. And thank you so much, as always, for tuning into today's episode. I really hope that you guys enjoyed it. I found it so valuable and and I'm extremely appreciative of the willingness that uh, Dr. Kuhn showed and the kindness that she displayed for offering us so much insight. You know, she has a ton of experience that I think that we can all learn from. Even myself, like I've already been 
to dental school, but so many of the things that she said are not only applicable towards you and your journey of getting into dental school, but just in life in general. And so I'm so thankful for that. And just please ask, you know, if you are um, enjoying this content, if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe, share it, and, you know, go ahead and follow uh, the Instagram or the Facebook pages for this podcast. And please do it on behalf of Dr. Kuhn as well. She has so much to offer and go ahead and, you know, she listed the ways that you can go into contact with her. So if you're interested, you know, go and do that, please. And just know your support. It means so much to me. It would mean so much to Dr. Kuhn as well. If you're a fan of this podcast, like I said, do the favor and just leave a minute of your time to leave it a review as well um, so I can continue to improve it for everyone. And as always, I appreciate when you guys share it. So thanks again. And until next time, peace. Also, just a quick note, and this is just kind of like an edit that I'm briefly making. I apologize for some of the quality of the audio. I thought for the most part, a lot of it was really good. I was really pleased with the connection, but we've been a little bit limited because of the the coronavirus. Um, You know, we had to do our recording over the phone. So there was a little bit of some technical difficulties, but overall, I thought that it turned out great. And I hope that you guys were able to get all of that. If there was something that maybe came out a little bit fuzzy, please feel free to reach out to me or Dr. Kuhn with whatever question that you might have. Thank you so much.